de Global Latin Factor Podcast. Welcome, welcome, you and all, to another episode of the Global Latin Factor Podcast, where we talk about Latino everything. And today, we bring you another amazing Latino that we're going to be talking about. This one, the one that we're doing, is near to my heart because I was in the military before. I know I say it all the time. I know, I know. It's okay. Uh, but this one, we're going to be covering a Latino that has an amazing story. By the time we're done, you're going to be like, where's the movie? And you'll hear all about it right now. It's called The Global Latin Factor. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you comment, like, hit the bell, let us know. Wherever you're listening to, also go follow. Thank you very much. Spotify, Apple Podcast, uh, Apple Podcast. Yep. Okay, Master Sergeant Raul Perez Roy Benitez. He was born on August 5th in 1935 and died on November 29, 1998. He was born in Lindenia near Cuero, Texas. He was in the United States Army uh, Master Sergeant who was awarded the Medal of Honor for various actions in combat near South Vietnam in May 2nd in 1968. While serving as a member of the United States Army Special Forces during the Vietnam War, uh, during early in his childhood, his uh, real quickly. So, if you didn't know this, fun fact: sixty-one members have Hispanic heritage that are awarded the Medal of Honor. Sixty-one have been awarded. That's a lot of Latinos, and there's a lot of members. A big shout out going out to the members of our forces. His father was a farmer. And he, when he was two, his father passed away and died of tuberculosis shortly after. His mom married. However, five years later, his mother also died of tuberculosis. Benitez and his younger brother, Roger, moved to El Campo, where his grandparents and uncle and aunt raised him, along with eight cousins. Benitez, uh, Benitez shined shoes at a local bus station and labor on farms in California and Washington and worked at a tire shop in El Campo. He dropped out of school when he was only 15 years old. And he, the only reason why he did is so he can get a full-time job so he can help his family provide. Now, dude, his military career, so Benitez began as an enlisted in the Texas Army National Guard in 1952 during the Korean War. In June 1955, he switched from National Guard to active duty. In 1959, he married Ilaria Coy Benitez and completed airborne training and was assigned to the 82nd Airborne Division at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Very famous airborne division, 82nd. Shout out to them. Army Special Forces, that's, he actually was an Army Special Forces. Benitez returned to Fort Bragg and began training at the elite Army Special Forces. Once he qualified and accepted, he became one of the 5th Special Forces uh, group and study as far as what he did was observation and group or SOG. Now, during this time, as we as I mentioned earlier, is Vietnam. In 1965, he was sent to South Vietnam as a special forces advisor and an Army of the Republic for the Army of the Republic at Vietnam Infantry Regiment. During his tour of duty, he stepped on a landmine during the patrol and it was evacuated to the United States where he received uh, treatment at Fort Sam Houston. At that time, they told him he was not going to be able to walk. However, 
because and it started working on his discharge papers. However, at that time, the uh, he saw that you know everything that was going on, the flag burning, everything else that that was happening, and he just you know, it wasn't something that he was satisfied at that time. So, and that's what he actually. What he was talking about whenever he received his uh, his speech, as far as the Medal of Honor speech in 1981, how when he re- when he received the news, he was like pre- pretty much like very 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 uh, sad about the whole situation. Now, U.S. military presence in Vietnam, uh, where he saw everything, you know, you know about all the protests, everything else, and he just wasn't feeling all that. So, remember, he he got hurt. Blew up a mind. His legs really hurt. Getting out of bed at night at the doctor's or against the doctor's, he began crawling on doing uh, in his elbows and chin, and he got to the nearest wall and began, as far as like making his way and try to build strength. Like and of course, he was also encouraged by patients that were there, which also fellow military that were either paralyzed or missing limbs. He would drop, uh, prop himself against the wall and attempt to lift himself. Unaid, starting by wiggling his toes, even when he's uh, eventually wiggling his toes, then his feet, and then eventually after several months of excruciating pain, he was at his own, he was able to, you know, pick himself up and walk out of the hospital with his wife next to him. So one thing is to serve and get blown up. But the other part is to go back and once some more. That's just a different type of breed of person. And, you know, he had the hunger for all the stuff that he was seeing on TV that he wasn't liking. It's like, nope, I got to get back. So there's a, when he was there, there's this thing they call the six hours in hell, which is on May 2nd in 1968, a 12-man special force patrol, which included nine Vietnam tribal men, was surrounded by an MVA infantry battalion of a thousand men. Menavites heard the radio appear to help and boarded the helicopter to respond. Armed with only a knife, I don't know why he just got a knife, he jumped from the helicopter carrying his medical bag and ran to help the trap patrol. Menavites distinguished himself by a series of daring and extremely valorous action and because of his gallant choice to join voluntarily his commander who were in a critical strain to expose himself constantly to withering enemy fire and his refusal to be stopped. Despite numerous numerous and severe wounds, save, he saved the lives of at least eight men. So even though he was getting wounded, he was getting hurt, he didn't stop him, he still was able to save eight men. At a point... In the battle, an NBA soldier approached him and stabbed him with his bayonet. A bayonet, if you don't know what a bayonet is, is on a rifle, there's like this knife that you attach to the bayonet and you can stab people. That's what a bayonet is, if you didn't know. Benavides pulled, pulled it out and uh, drew out his knife and killed the other man and kept moving and left his body there. He was later killed. Um, he was later killed. He later killed two more NVA soldiers with an AK-47 and provided cover as the people that he went and got or, you know, getting help into the helicopter. After the battle, he was event- 
evacuated in the base, ex examined, and thought that he was dead. So he was so badly wounded that they thought he was actually dead. They had him in a body bag. As he was placed in a body bag and done for dead until one of the persons that he was with him recognized him and got a doctor. The doctor also thought he was dead. And as he was closing the zipper of the body bag, Menabita was able to spit on him, getting his attention, letting him know, hey, I am not dead. I'm still alive. And he got the treatment that he needed after. So when I say that he was severely wounded, this is what I mean. Menabites had a total of 37 separate bullets, bayonet and shrapnel wound from, from the six-hour battle and fight with the, with the enemy battalion. So he not only, it wasn't one wound, it wasn't one bullet. I, I never been shot, knock on wood, that I never get shot, but I don't want to feel one bullet, let alone so many bullets, and still were able to, you know, help his people out. Menabitis was evacuated once again to Fort Sam Houston in Brook Army Medical Center, where eventually recovered and received the Distinguished Service Cross of Extraordinary Heroism and Four Purple Hearts. In 1969, he was assigned to Fort Raleigh, Kansas. In 1972, he was assigned to Fort Sam Houston, Texas, where he remained until his retirement. In 1973, after more details, like so, so in 1973, after more details of the account became available, Special Forces Lieutenant Colonel Ralph D. Drake insisted that Benavides receive the Medal of Honor, but when they submitted the paperwork, it was close to the deadline, he said no, and he wasn't eligible because they needed an eyewitness to detail the story that that really happened. So he wasn't aware that there was somebody, right? He, he thought that he was not going to be in and he was just going to get the medal that he had. However, it just wasn't that. He didn't know that Benavides, there was an eyewitness who later provided the eyewitness account necessary by Brian O'Connor, the former radio man of Benita's special, special force team in Vietnam. O'Connor had been severely wounded also, like Benitez, and had believed to be dead. So they didn't think he was, like, he... During the battle, it was so bad that they didn't think nobody was alive. However, this man, even though he was kind of sort of seemed like he was dead, he was not dead. He was still alive. So O'Connor uh, was living in Fiji Island, where in 1980s he was in a holiday in Australia. During the holiday, O'Connor read a newspaper account of Benavides from El Campo News, which he had been picked up by the international press. And reprinted in Australia. That's crazy how news travels. O'Connor immediately contacted Benitez and submitted a 10-page report of the encounter confirming the accounts provided by others and service. And as far as serving the necessary eyewitness requirements, Benitez distinguished again. Benitez distinguished service across. Uh, was upgraded to a Medal of Honor. Yes, so on February 24, 1981, President Ronald Reagan presented Roy P. Benitez with the Medal of Honor in the Pentagon. Reagan turned to the press and said, if the story of this hero, hero were a movie script, we would not believe it. So... I knew about him before. I had already heard about him before when I was stationed. And I had 
and there's so many of them. I mean, there's 61 other stories, but this one, I don't know why, maybe because he's from Texas and I like what he was like just being here from Texas. Maybe that's why it touched me. But I, I just feel that this heroes, Vietnam, like so many bullets, not, not to mention he already had served and mines are crazy. So you can step at any mine and it just could be really bad. Y'all seen the movies. So we talking about now he got blown up, legs almost gone. He was able to crawl, get to the wall and wiggle and was able to walk out. And I don't know why you want some more. But again, he's special forces. They're a different kind of breed of people. And he's Latino. And then to do it again and having to go through all that again and still retire from the military is like, man, that's not it. That's a movie. That's straight up. Like when I was reading this, that's like, ain't no way this is not a movie. And I don't believe I found anything that's part of the movie, but any directors, anybody that knows, like, this is like a movie. This is straight up from his early childhood to this. It's, oh my goodness. This is like a freaking crazy action packed movie. And what the f- you wouldn't think somebody can sh- get shot 30 something times and then still continue to move and defend, get stabbed by bayonets and shrapnel, like shrapnel's little pieces of metal that get blown up by explosives and still be able to help his people. So big shout out going out to him. Unfortunately, he passed away. But a person like this deserves. We have so many other hero movies, but why don't we have Latino movies like this with this gentleman right here that straight up dropped out from school, uh, made it to special forces, which is not an easy feat to do. It's not easy to complete special forces. I never done it, but I everybody knows in the military that it's not easy to do. To have go all the way to the other side of the world because he felt what they were saying was not right in the news and still continue to fight have so much passion for this country. It's amazing. It's truly amazing. And it's truly something to to talk about. And again, it's like a movie. It's straight up a movie. And this is just briefly of some of the things, uh, mostly it's from Wikipedia. So shout out to Wikipedia, most of the stuff that I got. But that's pretty much what I know as far as him. So, yep. Make sure you look him up. Make sure you look up this gentleman. And give him his props. And if you have some influence in the movies, oh my goodness, this is like a no way. This is not a a movie that's gonna do well in theaters, at least for the Latinos, at least for the Latinos, uh, even in Texas. But I, again, even independent filmmakers, this is like an amazing, an amazing story. Straight up reading everything that he was like, what he did, what I was like, I was pausing like every few seconds for the same reason that I was like, huh? Did they say what? That he blew up himself, what? And then he got shot how many times? And stabbed? All right. Master Sergeant Raul Perez Roy Benitez. 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 You are a Global Latin Factor. May you rest in peace. This was another episode of the Global Latin Factor Podcast. Remember, we are just like you. We are the spice in this melting pot. That it is the world. Till next time. ¿Qué pasó, mi gente? What's going on? Thank you very much for checking out this episode of the Global Land Factor Podcast, where I hope that you are enjoying the content. If you are, make sure you subscribe, like, and comment. Tell somebody and help us reach our goal of a thousand subscribers for this channel. Again, thank you very much. Go subscribe. We appreciate it. Pero but in fact it's a flamingo Coming to Havana and reason Puerto Rico On a pirate ship, you don't know where do we go The birds of
the jungle chasing fortune and fame, but Juan is flamingo is no walker.